Hello, listeners. I hope that you and your kiddos are getting ready for a very fun Valentine's Day. If you have questions about how to handle an anxious child this Valentine's Day, listen to the last episode because that addresses this topic. Now, today we're going to talk about IEPs. And the reason we're going to talk about that now is because mid-year, right around Valentine's Day, is often the time that referrals are made. Referrals means that parent or teacher are noticing that there's some struggles that your child is having in the classroom. The special education team is called in to do an assessment and to figure out what's going on. Even before special education, we do these assessments to try to figure out how can we help the kiddo in the classroom to navigate better or learn better or whatever else it is. So join me today with April Rarig, where we're going to discuss how to be the best advocate for your child because you as the parent are always your child's best advocate. And you might want to grab a notebook and pen because sometimes these terminologies can get away from us. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do? And how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language or learn to say speech sounds and maybe even receives speech therapy? Stay tuned because in this podcast you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make and you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. All right, before we begin, I want to say that if you find this information helpful, feel free to share it with your friends and your families and follow the show. I will ask you to go head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a written review. That is the way that I know what topics you are most interested in. All right, let's get started. Thank you for being here, April. I'm so glad you're here. April Rarig is the founder of RISE Educational Advocacy and Consulting. She has over 20 years of experience as a school psychologist, teacher, and parent in the public schools. She holds a master's degree in education and is a board-certified education advocate fellow. April completed the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates seat program and is a licensed educational psychologist, certified autism spectrum disorder clinical specialist, and master IEP coach and credentialed teacher. That's a lot of certificates, April. 
She was born and raised in Los Angeles, and April loves to walk her pug Luna and stays busy with her husband and three sons and four stepchildren. So lots of kids, a couple of dogs, you know, or a dog, you know a lot about kids because as a parent, we know a lot about children. And then you add all of those certifications, you've studied it deeply. What brought you into this as a as a field? Why did you go down this path? A great question, Dina Lynn. I started down this path kind of early as a teenager, uh, volunteering in special education school, and I fell in love. I walked onto the campus and I knew this was what I loved to do. And then I became a teacher. And like many teachers, if you have a lot of teachers out there who are listening, I went to my first year of class thinking, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And being the new teacher, I got 12 boys in my classroom and four girls. And all the boys (laughs) were the ones that no one wanted. I started down this path and I quickly realized, okay, I have a lot of kids that struggle. And I thought I'm going to do what everyone told me to do. The kids that can't learn are going to be referred for an IEP. I recommended testing and my student that was failing and not doing well, they sat me down at the IEP and they said, April, he didn't qualify. He's actually gifted. And so you're not meeting his needs. And that turned me on to school psychology. I found the school psychologist in a closet and I thought this is what I want to do, even if I have to work in a closet. So I became a psych for about 20 years and interchanged with that. I went back to teaching and I loved teaching. It's still my passion and that's what I continue to do today. I found during my journey of being a school psychologist and the teacher that everybody struggles at the table. Parents struggle. Teachers are so overwhelmed with paper after paper to fill out special education teachers and providers. We have to write so many reports. We are expected to do so much work and we're not given the right help and the training. And so we sit in these IEP meetings. Everybody is frustrated. They're hard. They're difficult. They're frustrating. It's no wonder that everyone has a really challenging time. And so after about 20 years, I decided that I think there's a better way to do things. And so I left the field and formed Rise Educational Advocacy because I felt like that we all have to work together. And the only way to make IEPs better is by working across the aisle. Wow. I love that. (laughs) Yes, it is so important. Parents have listened to my other episodes. There have been multiple times where we've had to reach, and I haven't used that expression, reach across the aisle like we use in government, but it's the same concept. We reach from where we are out to the other person, and you can take hands to help the little one that is there for help. That is so great. And I also know what you're talking about, how there is so much struggle. How do we keep up with the paperwork? How do we keep up with the needs? And 12 little boys... (laughs) In the same classroom means your classroom had a lot of energy and it's still good, but it is very difficult to manage. So what you did was you had the good and the difficult of those situations and you formed RISE Educational Advocacy. And so am I guessing right that the advocacy is fortifying parents believing in themselves when they go talk to the teachers? Yes. The only way, even if I sit there and talk to all of your listeners about all the things that I can help with your families, the only way for parents to really feel better at the table is by feeling empowered. And so understanding their rights is one small portion that I do. But the other portion is 
teaching them what the process looks like, walking through the steps and really helping them to feel good. Because we all know is being a parent, whether you have your own children or you have a parent yourself, is that if you go with your gut and what you feel in your heart, then you know what's right. And just because you're not a teacher and just because you're a parent and you walk into an IEP with 12 to 15 certified people with all the credentials, the same ones that I have, doesn't mean you're any less qualified to be your child's best advocate. And that's where we really need to make things better is by empowering parents through information, through feeling better, and really helping them understand the process. So it's more transparent. And ultimately, that will be a game changer when we come to the IEP table. Absolutely. I would say that on top of that, parents are like your title here, parents are the best advocate. And I would agree with that because even though we know our kiddos from a teacher perspective, they know the kiddo from a deep emotional and living kind of perspective. Now you're throwing around that term IEP. How about we define it for the parents that have not dealt with it? So IEP stands for Individual Education Plan. In some states, it's known as Individual Education Program. When you think about IEP, if you Google the term, there's so much that comes out there, but basically it's based from a federal law, from IDEA, and if you think about it in a nutshell, an IEP is the education plan. It's kind of a formula for what are we going to do differently? Here's where the child is exhibiting their strengths, their weaknesses, their unique learning needs. What are we going to do and what are the setups? So like if you were to order an Amazon package, for instance, and you push, you click the button, right? Buy it now. It doesn't just show up on your doorstep. It has to get out of the distribution center. It has to get onto the truck. It has to come to your neighborhood. It has to come to your street and to your house. All of those setups are the same thing for the IEP process. It's about the setups. It's about the how-tos. It's about the what, the who, the when, the where. And that's basically what an IEP is. It's a federally mandated education plan. Thank you for clarifying that. I think we've missed one point in our conversation, and that is to tell parents that an IEP is this process that happens after your child has been referred for special education. They have tested in special education. They've qualified in special education. And then once they have qualified, that's when the IEP is written. And so we are actually talking about the written plan for what this child is going to experience in the school in order to meet the goals. And that plan is what April is talking about today in depth. I think we may have missed saying that track that comes before it. (laughs) Yes. And speaking of that track, I don't call it a track. I call it the voyage, the initial voyage, because if your parents or teachers have experienced an IEP to get from wanting your child tested to IEP land, it can sometimes take months and years, and it is not an easy process to navigate. It it isn't very transparent, and it is absolutely a journey. It takes a while, and it takes a lot of savvy and grit and tears, to be quite honest with you, to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times when parents come in and their kids are on the first IEP, it's that realization and that understanding that my child has a disability. And the acceptance of that does come often with a lot of tears. And we know that that's because parents love their children so much. 
And we understand that as an educator myself too. I love when parents will come and just let their heart be known for what it is that they want, what it is that they wish, what it is that they, the goals that make sense in their home so that we can work together. That's absolutely true. And and going back to our discussion about parents make the best advocates is one thing the parents need to realize right from the start, even if you've never been in an IEP before, when you walk into that room, seeing all those other staff members there, do not feel like you are alone because you have actually been on that team longer than anyone else. You know your child (laughs) for years. So just because you don't have the license, just because you don't have the credentials doesn't mean you're any less qualified. You might not have the acronyms. You might not have the right words, but you know in your heart what your child needs and you also know what at home works. And that's where advocacy comes out of is that understanding of, I know my child, how can I communicate and how can I showcase this so we can develop an education plan that's not just deficit-based, that doesn't just make you cry, but highlights and capitalizes your child's strengths. Right. When we talk about deficit-based, that is something that is a, a difficult part when you sit in an IEP meeting, because in order to declare that a child has a disability, we have to declare that they're not meeting the typical things that kids do, and they are far enough from that norm that we call it a deficit. And so then that IEP is written to close the gap. If you were to write an IEP the way you would love to, not deficit-based, but according to what, what words would you use to describe the way you would do it if if it wasn't deficit-based? What would you do? Thank you so much for bringing that up, Dina Lynn, because this is one of the things that I love to talk about the most. (laughs) So when I was a school psychologist and a teacher, just like I mentioned before, when we would write IEPs, we were told, okay, write the data, right? Write those standardized test scores, Write these numbers down. As a parent, when you look at those papers and you see the numbers, that's all you see. And it doesn't capitalize on the child's strengths and it doesn't talk about everything your child knows. The bigger thing is that standardized test scores often miss the mark. And what they miss the mark on is functional performance. So when it comes to writing an IEP, if you want to kind of transform your thinking and think about things differently, I teach what's called the SWOT analysis. So in the business field, SWOT analysis has been used for years. So if you envision an IEP, don't think about it about writing the standardized test scores, getting the data. It's so much more. It's about organizing the language. So if you reorganize in your head how you formulate the language, you would put it into four quadrants for the IEP. The first one is strengths, right? What can the child do? This is going to go into the accommodations. This is going to go into what are the setups, right? Right? Like when I talked about Amazon and getting... um, the stuff, the packages to your door. You need the right setups. Then you go into weaknesses. What can your child not do? This is called a child's unique learning needs. This is telling us, yes, there's deficits, but this is what they don't know. Then you go into opportunities for learning. That's where we go back to what are we going to do differently? And then lastly, what are the threats that for me has to do with barriers, right? What is the adverse impact that makes it difficult for the child to access the curriculum? 
So if we reorganize the IEP into these four quadrants, we can get accommodations, we can get baselines, we can get goals that are sensible and relevant and have the right setups. And we can ultimately get a better IEP that parents can read, teachers can write without stress, and are so much more than deficit-based. Well spoken. <laughs> you explained that quite well. Yes. All of those parts are actually in the IEP, but it's not written in that way. But when you refer to all of the different parts, where does weakness go? Where does opportunities go? All of those parts are actually already in the IEP, but sometimes, not sometimes, all the time. <laughs> if you are not used to the IEP, there's a lot of legal language in there and there's a lot of pages and it can be confusing for your eyeballs as well as your brains. And in that confusion, it's so easy to get lost. Now I've been writing IEPs. April and I talked about this when we first met and we both wrote them by hand. That's how long we've been doing it. And they have expanded. They're no longer just a few pages long. So thank you for explaining that. That is really good. If you were to say something to our parents, that would be one takeaway that you really would like them to know from this episode. One takeaway from the concept of IEPs and children with disabilities and what they can do. What would be your one main takeaway? The one main takeaway I would take from this is if you are frustrated with the process and you feel like you can't be heard at the table, that you can change the trajectory of how your child is doing. And in order to do that, you have to make a decision. And the decision is, how are you going to do things differently? And so a lot of parents will get to this place where they reach out to me as an advocate and they're like, I am so tired. I am so frustrated. Teachers too, they'll reach out to me and like, I'm so tired of reaching, reading IEPs. They know something is wrong, but they don't know where to go. And they're almost looking for that affirmation of it's okay to say I need help. And it's okay to say I want to do things differently. So what I want to say to your listeners is to give them permission to feel that and to, to recognize that it's okay to feel those frustrations and you can act on that to make different decisions and to make a change in how and when you advocate. I love it. So parents, if you have a kiddo that is receiving special education services and you are frustrated with this IEP because you don't understand, there are resources like April, like me, and like your teachers in your schools that can explain an IEP to you well. And if you need help learning how to be an advocate, that is what April does. And she's got some courses and you can take a look in the show notes. And yeah, and how should they get a hold of you if they want to? So they can, of course, reach me on my website, riseeducationaladvocacy.com. If they want to reach out to me and they're interested in either my workshops or they want to chat with me or you have a teacher group and they would love to hire me, you can reach out to me at riseeducationaladvocacy.com backslash contact. And I would love to hear from you and from your listeners and so that we can make this process better. Very nice. Thank you for your wisdom and your input today, April. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Hey, parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. 
Then come join my Facebook community, where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.